Hello and welcome to Game the System podcast episode 68, the podcast about the people that play retro, arcade, modern, pinball and everything in between. It is the 12th of August 2021, 2021, and my name is Mark Bell. My name's John. My name's Matt. And how are we, gentlemen? Well... (laughs) Well, no, I'm good. Oh, he's wow. He said well. Oh, you said oh, well. Not... Yeah, he's never oh. said well before. Oh dear, oh, I messed up. I said okay. This is a. But I was doing it ironically as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. That's that's weird. We don't, we don't record for eight months and suddenly Matt is well as opposed to okay. Huh? See what happens. Yeah. <laughs> he's enjoying and, the uh, isolation. Yeah, we... I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, a little bit too much. Some could say, but yeah, eight months. Is it eight months? No, it's more than eight months. I think the last time we recorded was. Um, I think we recorded October. in October. Was it October? And then it, I think it came think out so. in March. Yeah. Maybe that's why I was thinking. I think that's March about right. Earlier. Yeah. No, we definitely recorded. Oh, it might have been December that we recorded. I think it, it was. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was December, like closer to the end of year break. Right, because we yep. we just set up the the arcade room, preparing for the New Year's Eve party. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Which got totally yeah. Prepared. So it must have been must have been December. Um, and we released it in March because we're slackers. Um, <laughs> and speaking of being slackers, now it's what nine months later, and we're doing another podcast finally. <laughs> we're still we going. Have to remember how to do this thing. Oh, yeah, we're definitely still going. We haven't quit. We haven't said this podcast is over or anything like that. It's still happening. Mm. It's just a release schedule of annually. Every It's it's like a baby, baby-born schedule, like nine months to percolate. <laughs> yeah. well, and we birth a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only a parent would say something like that. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, it's just yeah. as rewarding. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, I bet it is. <laughs> you don't need to have a so child to still podcast. Well, yeah, it's pretty much the same. We've got, and if that's the case, then we've uh, sixty-eight children. Yeah, we've got sixty-eight children. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit of a worry. You thought two dads was weird or unusual? Not weird. Um, what about three dads? Now we've got three. Yeah, three dads. 68 children. I mean, you know, it's all <laughs> happening. <laughs> Don't spit your beer out on your microphone. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's been a while. Uh, a lot's happened, and in some ways not much has happened, kind of depending on your perspective. There's been a lot of lockdown. There's been, well, in various states, I guess, um, and in various states. See what I did there? Very well done. I'm <laughs> laughing on the inside. Excellent. I'm <laughs> laughing on the outside because it was my joke. Um, but yeah, and, and we've currently been in a lockdown for what is it? Six weeks? Seven weeks? Now? Oh, I've lost track. It's like when we were, when I was in a meeting today. Um, you know, when you do the banter while you're waiting for like the slow people to get in and figure out how to turn their mics on and stuff. Um, <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> um, we're talking about um, how, yeah, working from home and 
and the person I was talking to was like, yeah, I feel like there's no weekend and, and you know, weekdays anymore. It's just all, they're all the same. Like, it's just another day. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's, that's funny. I thought that too, but I just thought it was, yeah. you know, just me. No, it, it it's kind of weird. Um, I think about this a little bit more often than I probably should, but I... It's it's kind of cool and it's kind of not. I mean, um, the whole working remotely thing, I think, isn't it amazing that technology is where it's at, where we can work from home and do what we need to do from home? Then I also think the negative side of it is who are we as a human being, as a physical being in the world, <laughs> if we can do what we need to do without going anywhere? Um, yeah. Wow. That, yeah. Shit, that's deeper than I thought oh. it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to be deep when he was like, oh, I'm thinking about this more than I should. Um, but that, that is like next level deep. Like that's. Okay. Maybe I've gone too really far. Ex- but this is where my brain has gone. It's funny. Um, I mean, in a related way, I've always thought about work where it's not directly related to any like particular product or service you know i guess specifically i suppose executive type work where your the work is just managing the operations of the mm-hmm. company and yeah you know and yeah it's kind of like what what even is that it's just you know it's it's maintaining the system that mm-hmm. that allows I don't know, you know. Yeah, it's. I don't know what yeah, else to say it's, about it's, it. It's decision making. It's moving one digital artifact to another place, and mm. it's yeah, it's it's very strange. I mean, it's it's almost like the Matrix. You know, we're we're plugged in, <laughs> yeah, and we're just doing what we need to do in our little bubble. And it's there's weird. So much value that's given to this intangible resource it's actually mm-hmm. it's in a lot of ways it's just like playing video games i guess yes. hmm. yeah <laughs> anyway we've gone down a dark <laughs> hole <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because when we were talking about doing the podcast i was like yeah have to try and avoid talking about like being in lockdown and we yeah, got we no, got to the end of that conversation way quicker than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, but we should uh, talk about more exciting things than staying at home. Hmm. Mm. Um. Yeah. So uh, we haven't recorded for a very long time. I've been incredibly busy with my new job, and I say new job, and I've been in it for. A year and a half, it still feels new to me. Um, mm-hmm. Still learning things daily, and it's still relentless. Uh, so it's just been difficult to record. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like I said, it's not like we've decided to stop the podcast or do anything like that or on purposely, intentionally pause even. It's just mm-hmm. uh, we just had other stuff going on. But we're back. Mm. We're happening. And we're going to talk about games. I think we, right? we always, yeah. We always are. We always went into this whole thing with the perspective that 
it should be enjoyable and we would never push ourselves too hard to meet some kind of release schedule or, you know, try and make anything too big out of it because it's really yeah. just for fun and uh, basically if people enjoy it, that's great, but I'm mostly doing this for me, <laughs> to be <laughs> brutally <laughs> honest. <laughs> But yeah, a lot's happened um, since we've last recorded. Um, there was Battle of the Arcades. That happened. Um, and people who have listened to this podcast previously know all about that. I won't go into it. I'm just going to go over a couple of topics very quickly. Um, but I will just mention, personally, I was very disappointed that I drank far too much on the first <laughs> night of Battle of the Arcades. And so I was brutally hungover the next day. Yep. Um, I literally spent about two hours just sitting on the floor of the bathroom in 1989 bar arcade. Oh shit! Trying to recover. Wow, <laughs> I didn't know. It was I didn't that vomit. Bad. Yeah, but, I didn't vomit. But two hours I... in a public bar bathroom. Yep. I on mean, the floor. That's, you don't even want to do that at home. No. Wow. It was very unhygienic. You could say. Were people coming in like checking on you and stuff? There was only one time someone knocked on the door and they just went, oh, someone's in there and walked away. So, you know, we're talking about nerds. We don't care about people. <laughs> yeah. I was just worried about getting their high scores on their games and I can appreciate that. I mean, I, yeah. guess, I suppose that's fair enough to some degree because if it's a public bathroom, you're not going to just walk in, I guess. And mm. unless you were there, like unless I was there with you after, you know, Half an hour, I'd probably be like, where's Mark? You know, and then start to sort of, <laughs> after an hour, be like, he's been gone. Does anyone know where he is? You know, and then probably find <laughs> you like one and a half hours in. And <laughs> mm -hmm. but Yeah, uh, it wasn't great. Um, that was probably, probably the second worst hangover I've had. Was that like... Um, and I've had some bad ones. Was it like in a pool of your own sweat, sort of thinking you were going to die type level? Of... <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. Okay. That w that was the worst hangover I've ever had. Um, <laughs> no, it was just where I knew if I moved in any way whatsoever, I would just vomit uncontrollably. So <laughs> I didn't move. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of funny because I woke up in the morning feeling like a million dollars. I felt amazing. <laughs> I got up, I went and had coffee, I had breakfast. Um, I met up with some people just before 1989 opened, walked in there, I was playing games, chatting, having a great time. And then um, I think, Matt, you were sitting next to me when I was playing Black Tiger. <laughs> and as I was playing Black Tiger, I suddenly just started sweating, like, mm -hmm. a lot. And I thought, oh, that's weird. But I had my game, and it was a good game. It was, I think it was a PB for me, actually. And I put up the the joystick. Matt walked downstairs because this is the upstairs area where Black Tiger was. And I was walking away from the controller. Ben Campbell was standing there and he saw me and he said, are you okay? And I said, oh, yeah, I'm all right. I'm okay. And then from that moment onward, I was destroyed. I could, I just couldn't even move. Wow. Um, it just hit me all of a sudden. It was weird. Huh. That is weird. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, it's almost the like... the arcades happened. 
it's almost like someone spiked a drink or something or not that I think that would happen, but it seems weird that it happened that way. Yeah. I remember looking at it, the scores like midday being like, where's Mark's scores? What the hell is he doing? <laughs> yeah. And I feel bad as well because um, not that some of my scores would have made too much of a difference, but I think it might have helped us get him to the top three at least. Mm. Um, so we didn't do too well in Battle of the Arcades this year and and i think it was because i had to drop out on the second day which i feel bad about but wasn't much i could do i, I have a different opinion responsible yes that we didn't do well because of one game in particular oh that, that no one game? nobody at 1989 could figure out how to play this game as i don't even remember the too. name now yeah was it the, the fighting game played, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, that yeah was... it's a great game but it's hard yeah, that was I, I. kind of I spent a bit of time on it because I really was so surprised. It was really cool, and it seemed to be most of the points came from just doing special moves. Um, I could get like a decent amount of points on the first two stages. Then the third stage, the difficulty is it the third? I can't remember if it's the third or the fourth stage. I think it's the third. The difficulty really ramps up, and I could cheese my way through it. But by doing that, I've got virtually no points. So it was worth doing because you do get some points, but not much. And then, uh, but yeah, compared to obviously the guys who know what to do, it was not much points. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's a fair point, Matt. Um, And uh, I, I think next year we need to do what other arcades were doing. So I heard from the guys at Netherworld, and what they were doing was um, having masterclasses of each game. So basically someone who's good at a game will sit down and everyone will crowd around and then, you know, train each other on how to actually play the thing. And I know Martin did that for Metal Slug 2. Was it Metal Slug 2 or 3? Yeah. Uh, What did we play? 2. It's 2. Yeah. I think it was 2. So Martin did that for us on Metal Slug 2, but we should have done that for all the games. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, we kind of just went off in different directions and just played stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think a more sort of um, structured approach next time <laughs> might be wise. Yeah. yeah. I think that, you know, doing masterclasses is one of the ways that Netherworld really um, uh, nurtures their community and builds their community. Mm-hmm. I think that that's yep. a massive part of that. Because once you learn how to play a game properly, it's so much more fun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yes, and BPAC happened as well, despite all challenges and all sort of lockdowns potentially going to hit them. Um, I'm really pleased to see that BPAC happened this year. I know for us Sydney folk, we were unable to attend because Sydney was in lockdown, but I think just about everyone else was able to go. Barra from New Zealand was able to get over. Um, so they had their Brisbane Pimple Masters. They had their um, Australian Arcade Championships. They had their Kong off. They did all their really cool stuff um, and a whole week and a bit's worth of events. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. Wish we could have gone, but, you know, stuff happens. Um it, is just, it just is what it is. But I was just really, really, really pleased for the guys organising. 
that they're able to actually do it because mm. uh, it was looking iffy there for a while. Yeah. It looked awesome too because they did it in the BrewDog brewery and they had lots of space, plenty of space, and uh, you could see all the brewing equipment from the arcade and pinball area. Mm. And it seemed like just a really awesome environment. It would have been yeah. really cool to be there. I mean, I never, I couldn't make it, but um, so I didn't face the same disappointment. Um, mm-hmm. But it looked awesome, and I hope that they can do it there again because it looked like a great spot. Yeah, heaps of space. The only thing I that was they could... weird. Sorry to. Cut you off. No, there. here you go. <laughs> I think it was weird that I was watching the stream, and at one point there was a forklift driving right through the middle aisle of all the arcades, <laughs> and I was like, "That doesn't seem safe." <laughs> yeah, maybe not so safe. But I, I sort of what I was saying is that there's massive amount of space there. I reckon they could um, fit at least the same amount of arcade and pinball machines into that space, if not more. Yeah. Um, so they could double in size, I reckon. Yeah. But yeah, it's probably not the best idea to drive a forklift between machines, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but I don't know safety rules. <laughs> they might have had some kind of protocol to make sure that it was safe. I think if it was hmm. something that was necessary, it might not have been avoidable. As long as there's a protocol, then it's be fine. But I just, you didn't see that on the stream. You just see this forklift driving through a place where people, you know, people drinking are like standing around little tables and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, God. I don't know. It's forklifts scare the <laughs> shit out of me because they're so like, you know, if you get under a forklift, you're dead. <laughs> yeah, it's a problem, I would think. Anyway. Um, I forgot to mention Netherworld won Battle of the Arcades. Uh, because what reminded me was that I was going to say um, Barra won the Kong-Off, which was Mm -hmm. freaking awesome to watch. (laughs) Barra also won the Australian Arcade Championships, even though he's not Australian. No surprise. Dirty New Zealand (laughs) off. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, he's just an incredible player of everything, so it's no surprise there, as you said. Um, Gino won the Brisbane Pinball Masters. Gino's a really cool guy. I've met him a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, what else was there? I mean, there was a whole bunch of competitions. We probably couldn't go through them all. They but, did uh, the, I think Barra was, wasn't it Barra and John who won the the arcade doubles competition? <laughs> is that right? Was it, is, uh, the, is that um, what the team was? It was a double-headed monster. Yeah, it was sort of almost like the idea of Split Flipper where one person controls the joystick and the other person controls the buttons on the yep. on the game. Uh, yep. Because didn't Barrett also win the level three comp for Donkey Kong? Uh, probably. Did he just sweep the whole weekend? <laughs> the, whole, the whole two weeks? It's lucky he doesn't play pinball because he would have won all those as well. <laughs> But Barra's awesome. He's he's such a cool guy. Uh, so, you know, he's allowed to win everything because he's nice. Cool. That's that's my call. Okay. <laughs> you don't agree? You don't think he's no, nice? No, I said okay. Oh, it's all coming out here. No, I didn't say I, no, I, didn't say I don't agree. I said okay. <laughs> I, okay. I haven't met him actually, so okay. I don't know. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. All good. Um. 
Yeah, so just really happy that BPAC managed to occur because soon after BPAC, Queensland went into lockdown as well. So they just squeezed in. Um, So, yeah, great for those guys. I think Matt Tecchio also said he's from Victoria, I believe. Yeah. I think he also marginally escaped Victorian restrictions that would have Uh, stopped him from going. That's what I heard, yeah, if they had gone a day later or whatever, they wouldn't have been able to be there. Him and, and yep. Greg Pell. That's all right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and Tim Chapman as well. Huh. Although he arrived much earlier, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I think he arrived a couple of days earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was cool. Um, PAX was going to happen in October. We just got the news, I think it was two days ago, that PAX has been cancelled. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all expected that to happen. I actually, when I bought my ticket, however many months ago, I couldn't imagine how they were possibly going to run PAX, mm. but I still bought a ticket. So it was no surprise to see them cancel it. Mm. Um, and yes, it has been cancelled. So mm. while it's a shame... Um, I could see it happening and I'm glad they called it early as well mm-hmm. rather than leave it to much later when people are, you know, paying for flights and accommodation and all of that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, it's good that they just said, you know what, it's not going to happen. Let's do it next year. Yeah. Yeah, it makes, yeah. It makes the most sense. I think it's it sucks, but at the same time, how can you, you know, it's such a huge risk as an event organizer to plan something like this. And I think BPAC, BPAC's a bit different. I mean, it's a lot different to PAX. PAX is massive. Um, mm. You know, BPAC is is still a, it's a big event, but it's very small in comparison. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's like with, with our whole, you know, thing of people asking me about, rumble in the west and whether it was going to happen again and stuff and you know i would never be willing to put something out there until there's a majority of people that are vaccinated because it's just too much of a risk you know it, the same yeah. thing happened to us i was sort of mentioned it briefly before with our new year's eve party like we planned a new year's eve party and then all of a sudden there was restrictions again and we could only have like 10 people. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it was kind of like, it just seemed like every time we planned something, this happened and it's just too unpredictable to to try and plan these events that yeah. cost a lot of money to put on and you open yourself up to losing heaps of money and, you know, you can't, you have to refund tickets. You can't, um, you can't leave yeah. the customers short. Um, so the organizers end up just footing the bill for the whole thing and all the deposits mm-hmm. that you've paid, yeah, you have to, you can't get them back. That's what a deposit is, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, um, um, I was actually quite surprised to hear them putting on BPAC uh, when they were mm-hmm. doing it and, and I'm glad they were able to do it. But um, it's a massive risk to, to try and do something like that. Yeah, yeah, they definitely got lucky being able to squeeze into that little window, I think. Uh, and who knows, they might have lost money on it. 
but yeah. you know, I I have no idea. Yeah. But um, from an outsider's perspective, they managed to put it on. It was a successful event. Um, everyone had fun. The stream was great. So uh, I'm just really happy for them. Um, but mm-hmm. but yeah, I think they got very lucky. Mm. Yeah. Well, I guess um, everyone did except for us <laughs> or you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you know, I saved myself a hell of a lot of money. <laughs> My accommodation alone was, you know, over two grand. So, um, and that's not including food and drink, which would have been an additional large amount of money. So, I saved myself some money. It's all good. Uh, what else has been going on? Um, we have our game of the month. Uh, competition on the Gamer System Discord Mm -hmm. and we had our first year last year and I just wanted to mention, seeing as we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet, uh, Dragonstorm took out our inaugural Game of the Month Gamer System Year Award thing. (laughs) (laughs) Overall winner, let's just say that. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats, Dragonstorm. Um, yeah, he did really well. And uh, I haven't got it up on my screen at the moment, but there was just a huge amount of varied games. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a new one each month. It's voted in by the the people on the Discord. So yep. um, you chuck in your vote, see what wins. Everyone plays it for the next month. Unless the Scores people don't tallied. happen to be around at the time. Yes, Sorry. indeed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, awesome stuff for Dragonstorm to take that win. Um, and at the moment, with 2021 scores, BSS, our own Matt, oh. is uh, leading. Ooh. And it's August. Oh. It could happen. Dear. He might be more could leading happen. if he actually voted for Tetris. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that would work for me, actually. Oh, really? Hmm. I thought you were a Tetris guy. Is that more just watching it rather than playing it? Yeah, just watching it. it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ah. Yeah, fair enough. Pretty sure you're more of a Tetris guy than most people in that group. Uh, I I mean, I've seen good players. That's why I don't think I'm very good. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure the the Game the System Discord members are quite up to world-class spec. But that's no, just my opinion. Not taking anything away from Dragonstorm, but no, of course not. No. Yeah. <laughs> and lastly, for a thing to talk about on my list, uh, Beercade, a new barcade in Sydney. Yeah. Was due to open in June, <laughs> uh, and then the Sydney lockdown happened, so it's been not opening ever since. Mm-hmm. But uh, Roger from Z-Ball, we all know Roger very, very well. Um, he's opening up his own bar. It's going to be a bar arcade. It's going to have around 25 to 30 pinball machines, probably around 10 wow. to 15 arcade machines. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right in the in the hotspot of Redfern, like just across from the, the train station. Easy to get to. It's 10 minutes walk from my work which is absolutely incredible. <laughs> um, so we're all very much looking forward to that opening. It's just a matter of when Sydney will open to allow Roger to open. Yep. Um, so we're all just sitting and waiting, but it's happening. 
it's that's pretty exciting. Twenty five pinballs. That's a lot yeah. of pinballs. Show is how many was that um, pinball HQ when they were open? No, it wasn't that many. Uh, was it? it definitely wasn't. It wasn't more than twenty. No, it wouldn't have been. I think it was about um, sixteen or something like that. Yeah. Hmm. I think the only thing comparable would be there was Pincadia. How many did they have in Brisbane? They probably had a good fifteen to twenty. Yeah. No, I think they yeah. got more no. than that. I think they had more. Did than they? That. I think. And there's one up as well in Brisbane. They've got a shitload of pinball machines. Yeah. <clears throat> But either way, it's a it's a great space, mm. incredible location. It just needs to bloody open now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Rogers Rogers doing it tough because you know he left his job. He's building that arcade from scratch. Yeah. Uh, he got the location, and now he's just sitting there and waiting. Yep. So, yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about Roger? Because you guys know him, or I don't know about Matt. I know you know him a lot better than what I do. Um, but my understanding is he's got a lot of experience in, like, the bar industry. Yep. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that was your question and I answered. No, um, sorry, I didn't realize that was the end of your question. No, he's... Um, his profession is working in bars and yep. uh, basically managing them. Uh, he's a event manager. He's a bar manager. Yep. And, um, yeah, that's what he's done for as long as I've known him. Mm. And predominantly, I believe, in the city. Yep. Um, he's owned his own bar before. He used to own the Newtown. Oh. In Newtown. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and since then, yeah, he's he's become sort of like a, a manager slash arcade pinball operator mm. throughout Sydney, and he's and he's done that for I don't know, good twenty years or something like that, fifteen yeah. twenty years. Yeah. So he's very very experienced in running a bar, hospitality, mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. He knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. He's got all that experience. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And so, obviously the experience with pinballs also. Yep. Yep. Yeah, cool. That's I mean, sounds like the perfect kind of person to have a venue like that. So Yeah. Uh, and he's got all those industry links. Um you know, he knows all the bar owners, he, he knows all the, the chefs and mm. and uh you know, uh people who come in with trivia and all that kind of stuff. So it's just all ready to go. It just yep. needs to go now. Yeah. <laughs> From the look so, at the photos and stuff, though, it looks like the internal build still needs to happen a bit more. Oh, uh, yeah. And he's taking his time because now he's got time. Right. Um, originally, myself and a couple of other people were going to help Roger um, set all the insides up, like, you know, paint the walls and mm-hmm. do all of that. Um, but because of the lockdown, obviously, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. So, he's just been doing it himself. And um, Hermie the spider. There's, <laughs> there's a huntsman that sort of wanders around the building and he's he sort of made it his pet. So, it's Roger and Hermie just 
uh, getting that bar ready to go. Cool. Yeah. I'd be scared to be in there, actually, because I don't know how much he talks to that spider. He might be slowly <laughs> going mad. <laughs> um, also, full transparency, um, I do have a stake in Beercade. Uh, I've, um, I'm helping Roger a little bit to get started. So, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm some separate entity advocating for this new bar arcade that's opening. I do have a stake in it. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be freaking awesome. So I can't wait once it's actually started. Um, I'm getting my arcade machines in there as well. Um, I don't know if you're not mentioning this in the podcast, John, and if not, we can cut it out, Mm. but you're potentially putting some games in there as well to operate some games in Beercade. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to talk about it. I'm not really, yeah, there's, from my perspective, no reason to hide anything. Um, yeah, do, do you, I can talk about the actual games too. I'm not sure what information you want to reveal, but, um, yeah, we obviously have games that, um, we bought building up our collection to, to have for Rumble in the West and we had plans ourselves for a bar um those plans have kind of fallen apart um because covid really ruined everything we tried to do um and on the flip side of that um the main business you know that uh of my my business partner who was going to do all this stuff with me um you know, I, I work for him in his other business and it's medical related. So that business has absolutely gone crazy. The demand has gone through the roof. And so All we've right. had to do sudden um, upgrades to equipment and our production facilities and um, hire all these new staff and all this other stuff. And because of that hmm. happening, it's, it's meant that basically we just can't... Um, do anything right now um and so with the new beercade um you know and and his side of it he's not not got the same interest in the actual arcades that i do so uh, i'm i'm looking at well i'm basically getting the machines myself um buying them off him and Mm -hmm. some of those are going to go into the beercade as the option arises so Mm -hmm. So yeah, yep. we've got a point blank two, um, which is a really nice point blank two, in a really nice cab. It had a few little weird issues, but um, I've sorted those out. And yeah, the monitor's nice. Um, a lot of those cabs, I mean, have this issue where you can't shoot the edges of the screen. Uh, yeah. And this is something that you know I've spoken to a few people about. One of the people being Jimmy, and he basically said, oh, we've had a tech look at it, and it's just not possible to get all the way to the edge of the screen. Um, and I think that it's basically do, to do with the fact that they just rely on on light, um, these this technology. And the edges of the screen are just not as bright. Um, but mm. with this cab, you know, being someone who loves these kinds of games and being someone who's, you know, taught myself to to work on these games and the monitors i've been able to set this game up in a way that means that you can reach the edges of the screens a lot more reliably um 
Yeah, okay. And one of the things I did, which is a bit of a, a workaround and a bit of a cheat in a way, I suppose, is I actually reduced the screen size with the pots. Hmm. You know, I was going to mention that. Yeah, the H, H, the the horizontal width and the vertical width. And, you know, you lose, like, say, a centimeter around the edge of the screen and it's just black. And that's, you at first, like, just thinking that, you think, oh, it might, might, must look horrible. But it really doesn't. You don't even notice, really. And yeah. it just means that yeah. all of the the um, graphics are reachable as far as shooting the edge of the screen is concerned, um, which mm-hmm. for the gameplay, I think, is important. The most frustrating thing when you have to shoot a target that's in the corner and you just can't, you're clicking away and it's yeah. just not <laughs> registering the hit. Um, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, so it's a really nice cab um, and I'm really happy with it. Um, and it's got the, the proper um, Namco guns with the kickback. Um, so, yeah, I hope lots of people can enjoy it. So that's that. And we got NBA mm. Jam. Um, mm. and which everyone's pretty familiar with that one. And the other one will be Metal Slug. I have two and three. I think three's my preference personally. Um, mm. I know like Martin, for example, he obviously loves two. It's weird. Being like the I, world record holder. Yeah. <laughs> I spoke to him about three. I kind of just assumed he would know three really well as as well and he's like no i don't know three at all um he's like i think you're better at three than i am <laughs> i'm like okay hmm. <laughs> um and uh it's just i think it's just because you know back in the day when he used to play it but whatever you know fish and chip shop or whatever it was that was the one they had and that's the one he's learned hmm. how to play so yeah, yeah so but i i think three's pretty awesome um two has a lot I of prefer three. Down. Which is frustrating. Yeah, sometimes. I think I like three more. Three is the one with the vomiting zombies, right? Um. Yes. Wait. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm getting. Yeah. Three has the zombies. Yeah, yeah. that's right. But then, like yeah. now, I'm imagining when we were playing it, um, at the Battle of the Arcades, and and we were playing the zombie level. So now the, I'm confused. There's there's the mummies. I think are in two, oh, and the zombies are in yeah. three. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yep. That yep. sounds right to me now. Yeah. I'm getting the mummies and the zombies confused. Yep. It's easy to do. <laughs> yeah. And there's that trick with the zombies where if you get to that boss as a zombie, you can use the the zombie bomb, which is like the big full screen vomit to clear the boss out yep. really quickly. Yeah. Yep. So cool. Yeah. Metal Slug Three is definitely my preference. Awesome. Cool. And that's yeah. going to be in an Astro City cab. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And I'm going to put my dedicated MK1 in there, but it's going to have a different game. I think I'm going to put Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighting in that. Um, I'm going to have my dedicated Ghouls and Ghosts. I'm not going to have Ghouls and Ghosts in that just because no one likes Ghouls and Ghosts because it's too hard. <laughs> um Going to have my dedicated MK2. Slight deviation. Uh, last weekend, I turned on my MK2 and it's dead, which is awesome. <laughs> I don't know what's happened yet. I haven't uh, looked into it at all, but yeah, my MK2 is dead. 
Okay. I have a dedicated Outrun, so Outrun will be going into Beercade, and as a completely weird coincidence, I turned that on just today, and it works perfectly, whereas in the last year, it's been broken, and all the the graphics are sort of doubled up and flickering and stuff like that. I turned it on today, and it's perfect. I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> Arcades are just, yeah, I don't understand. Um, and also my Astro City, I'll be putting that in as well. Yep. Not sure what, what you yeah. can put in it yet or? Uh, no, I, hmm. I had ideas, but I, I haven't decided yet. Okay. Yeah. I've got a lot of PCBs, so I've got a lot of options. Yep. Um, yeah. Just still thinking about that one at the moment. But yeah, so Beercade's going to be freaking awesome. Um, I can't wait for us to finally be able to put games in there mm. and open it up. And yep. and uh, we're going to invite uh, close friends around for an opening, like a private opening thing, shindig. And then the day after, there will be an official opening and everyone can come along. It's, it's going to be awesome. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. We've got some. I've got some ideas too about running comps and stuff. Um, and uh, we've talked to, or well, I've talked to John Tannehill a bit about what he does. And I mean, we've talked about it generally on the Game the System Discord as well. Um, and I, I planned, you know, competitions for Rumble in the West. I've got a a structure based on that, which I'm really keen to test out and see how it goes. But basically mm. mixed mixed arcade competition to get you know it's it's a competition that tests a wide range of skills um, mm-hmm. so it re- it rewards those jack of all trades which some people don't like but uh, it's just a different type of fun competition I think we're definitely aiming yeah. for um, more of the casual crowd it's not meant to be yeah. super competitive or anything like that. Sort of like trivia. Yeah, I think you know, the you can't get. Yeah, I think the jack of all trades sort of competition is um, better to get more people involved. Yeah. Whereas if you go specific and and high skill, you're going to have a few people turn up that are high skill and and you know very good at a particular game, but you're only going to have a few people turning up. Yeah. So we we do want to promote the sort of community aspect of this and mm. um just come in and have fun we don't want it to be overly serious i mean in saying that we will have serious competitions as well of course yeah we will have our fighting game competitions and we'll have our pinball ifpa competitions and um in fact we're probably going to have monthly ifpa tournaments at beercade um with the people i'm talking to so there will be that serious side but we do also want to do what Neverworld has done so well, which is build up a fantastic community around people just coming in and wanting to have fun and play games. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're definitely the the prototype to look at and I always think about what they do and I've I've spent time studying what they do. You know, because we were I was thinking about doing it myself. Um but yeah, mm-hmm. they definitely do a lot of things to cultivate their community. Uh, and whether it's it could be accidental or just through experience, but um, it's very clever. A lot of the things that they do 
you know things like yeah. the pins i think are a really really clever thing to do um it gives yep. people a reason to 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 learn how to play games um and that, yep. that gives, play games they wouldn't have otherwise yeah. played i mean one great example that, that comes to mind for me is tapper i don't think i would have ever played tapper um and i love that game now <laughs> it's mm. a really fun game and I think there's just something about it, like I, for me personally, that it really, I like the management aspect of of trying to manage the the cues, you know, of beer as they're coming through, or the cues of customers mm. rather. Um, and uh, yeah, I just learned how to play it to get that token. So, oh, the, yeah. the pin rather. Yeah. 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 Um, the guys at Netherworld do fantastic stuff. They put a lot of work in it um, and they've reaped the, the rewards. They've got an amazing community up in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes for OneUp and, um, you know, all those other guys as well, of course. But um, I think you're right, Netherworld is like the shining example. Um, so if we can even have a quarter of that success, I think we'll be doing well. Yep. I think there's there's no reason why it shouldn't happen, especially in a place like Sydney. Um, yeah. Yep. Cool. Um, did we want to have a break or are we cool to just keep on going? need to say the thing Matt say, say your thing you need to say the thing thing Banana. Oh, back and we're back excellent <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're a well oiled machine <laughs> after prompting um, yes so um, we haven't talked for 8 months 9 mm. months however long it's been a long time mm. I'm sure there are gaming-related things that are happening in our lives or have happened in our lives in the last little while, particularly because we're sitting at home for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't one of you regale me with a story of gaming and also the readers regaled the stories <laughs> of gaming? Will be regaled. <laughs> <laughs> Is regaled a word? I don't think so. <laughs> It is now. <laughs> Who's going? I'm not. I'm, I'm uh, just going to sit back here like and should, sit in the awkward silence until someone says allow something. allow Matt to go because I've just done a bunch of talking as well. Okay. Oh, the pressure's on. Yeah. Well, I mean, the main thing lately for me is like that I, I've moved home. Ah. Oh. So, That's not gaming related? No, but it, it, the reason why it is is because all the stuff I've had has to move with me. So all my, uh, my CRT mountain washing machines <laughs> 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 and and the most difficult thing the pinball machine oh, oh yeah which, which I tell you I've been I've been in this place now for two months and the pinball machine is actually still in the old apartment oh, <laughs> oh wow really 
You could use that as a selling point. If you're going to rent that place out, you could say comes with pinball machine. Yeah. Actually, maybe not. They'll just break it. Is it? Is there like? Do you? Does it have to come downstairs? Okay, so the the old place has a lift, so that's actually really easy. And in my new place, the stairs, but at this point, it looks like we're just going to keep it in the lockup garage, which is on ground floor. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So that'd be pretty easy too, but it's still really heavy. Hmm. And I don't, yeah. I don't have a van, but I can hire a van. I know. Is it- I have a trolley. I don't have muscles, is so it- these, these are like the things why it's not hadn't done anything yeah. yet. Is it next generation? Hmm. Yeah, oh. Star Trek next gen. That's a wide that body machine, and it's fucking heavy. It's so heavy. That thing <laughs> yeah. is yeah. so heavy. I think it's uh, isn't it regarded as the heaviest pinball machine ever made or one of. It must be one of. I I mean, mm. I don't know that. Does does the pinball database have the weight of the machine? <laughs> That'd no, be no, great. No. I mean, you couldn't count Hercules because Hercules. Ah oh, yeah yeah. Yeah, is massive and uses a billiard ball as a pinball. Yeah. Um, but besides that, I think it is the heaviest pinball machine or one of. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's fun. That's a challenge. Yeah, I mean, so I, I kind of started, well, I mean, I, I thought people had, like, sp- there was a special person to move machines, and I kind of asked Mark about special this. Special person? Well, I don't know, I just assumed there's like, a pinball removalist. Mm. Hmm. Um, but Mark Williams just said, nah, like, he and Roger just, like, hire a van and go do it themselves. Mm. Yeah. But because I don't have trolley or muscles, so I still think <laughs> it's, like, out of my, my league. I've got so. a trolley you can use if you want. Um, I think it's got a 250 kilo weight limit, so it should be okay. Yeah, yeah that should be one fine. One of those well, Euro-style yeah. ones that have, like, the flatbed, but the wheels stick out the back. I've used it to move pinballs before. Yeah. And it's hard, like... if So, you, obviously, you have to take the legs off and have it on its on its bottom, on its butt, mm-hmm. um, and then you get the thing underneath it, and then you have to lift it up. You need some help because the because the wheels stick out the back of the trolley rather than yeah. at the actual axis. Do you know what I'm? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know those. You, okay, do. he's looking with like a really puzzled look on his face. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is. I believe it's. I keep saying Euro style. I I don't know if that's an actual thing, but it's it's not like your normal you know kickback trolley. It is one that goes into a flat, like it flat packs itself, and the wheels actually fold in to the back of the trolley, and uh, the front, the oh, front yeah. plate folds up like this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the wheels fold out this way, so they're kind of a little bit behind, like. So it means you need a bit more power to actually get it on its back. But once you've once mm-hmm. you've tilted it back, it's really easy, uh, and that's how I would recommend. Yeah, if you're asking, <laughs> you'd still I need mean, muscles, though. You still need muscles, yeah. and, well, and I mean, a helper. The, the pandemic yeah. has made it harder to get helpers too. Yeah, I mean, you I can mean, get I offered my services, but uh, it's kind of difficult to go anywhere at the moment. You're retracting yeah. them right now. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> and Mark Williams said he'll help, right? I know, but but he doesn't know, have muscles. He doesn't. No. Oh, um, it's tough, man. And Roger's got a bad back. Okay. 
Um, Matthew Venables, he's someone else who helps move pinball machines, but I think he's got a bad back as well. Um, we're getting old. <laughs> yeah, and we're running out of options. Yeah. Anyway, I I'll anyway, probably just go. I'm going to end up getting a you know a small removalist. Hmm. A small removalist. You know, like there's 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 a person I've used before. They they just do little jobs. It's like an Etasca kind of thing. Right. They have a van and a trolley, and and okay. a person. Hmm. Yeah. All right. That should work. Seems like a good yeah. option. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, and of course they've never moved the pinball machine before. Mm. So I have to mm. explain what to do. But I started packing down the machine anyway, but it's still hard because, like, I've all I've done is like pull it out from the wall, which is tough anyway, <laughs> by myself. <laughs> mm. And then you know fold down the back box or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But taking the legs off is still too hard by myself. <laughs> you yeah. need some milk crates. You pop milk crates. milk crates under the back. Yeah. Then um, you take off the back legs, then you lift up the back, you pull out the milk crates, you lower it down, and then you push the front up and yeah. over the top, and then you can take the front legs off. And it's so, just it's sitting there on its ass. But do you still need two people? How do you take the second? How do you take the legs off with the milk crates without it like? In, in a, I don't know. It's not it's not healthy to do. That's how you get a bad back. <laughs> you have to try and lift it and like turn the thing. Yeah, you're lifting it and unbolting it at the same time. No, 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 because the the milk crates will lift it above off the ground. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, you need two so then. You... Yeah, I've got to find two milk crates. All right, I've got two milk crates. <laughs> I can help you out there. The hardest part is when you've got the back legs off, hmm. and then what you have to do is pull the machine up off the milk crates. Yeah. Pull the milk crates out, yeah, and then lower the pinball machine down. Yeah, that's the hardest part. Right, without getting your fingers trapped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you've got two people, it's easy. Okay, well, I have to see what happens. I'm gonna try again. I'm gonna go back on the weekend. Right. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like fun. The joys of owning pinball machines. Yeah, there's there's, there's a little bit of a burden as well. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, I was intrigued when you say you're just going to put it in your garage hmm. um, set up or stored away. Uh, I want to set it up. I've got a PowerPoint down there. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, I can do things. So, the other part is like putting all the all the CRT hoarding I've got. That's all gone downstairs. <laughs> the difference between like here and at the old places, yeah, I have power in this lockup garage. So, it's not like an open space with nothing, now it's like a space I can actually use. And so I've been yeah, testing right. most of these things I'd never turned on and I've, I've now like tested all the sets I've got. Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and it placed me to like fix things too. Let the man cave yeah. evolution begin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is that kind of in the planning to turn it into a bit of an arcade or? Um, no, I think I still want like the real game space to be up here, but it's I mean, I guess the garage can be, you know, the, the dirtier repair place. I can make a mess there and it's not, not a problem. Mm-hmm. Right, so you have a spare room you can just use as sort of like a game thing. Yeah, so this this, play, this apartment is a two-bedroom unit. So, you, got, you know, the bedroom you sleep in, the bedroom you play in. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or no, I won't say anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know where I was going there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, you just have to solve your uh, very, very heavy pinball machine problem. Yes, it's quite mm. a problem. Mm. Yeah, when I moved my pinball machines, uh, I used Paul Kaz. Oh yeah, remember Paul Kaz? Yeah, yeah. He's uh he's got muscles, mm-hmm. and he has a really really big car. All right, so yeah. it was very easy to move stuff. I think he's got a cast at the moment on his wrist, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Where did you get this information from? Uh, Facebook? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Stalking him. Oh, we're friends. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> All good. Okay. Yeah. Um, is that it from you, Matt? Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> How so, many CRTs do you have now? Uh, I have to look at my spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> it's that enough is... that you have to have a spreadsheet. Okay, yeah, so I have a spreadsheet, and in it, it's got you know the the you know the model, you know the size mm-hmm. of brands, you know which inputs has. It's got RF RF or component S video. That's the best you know, answer to that question I've ever. Does it do sixty hertz? Does it do progressive <laughs> scan? Do you have a washing machine spreadsheet as well? No. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, making myself laugh. So are you too. counting right at the moment? No, I'm just opening the spreadsheet. Okay, okay so this goes up to 15 rows, but I know there's... Uh, this is only the, the, the TVs. But so the, there's also got um, you know PC monitors that aren't aren't listed here yet. So probably right. I'm going to say eighteen. Holy <laughs> shit, that's a lot. Yeah. And what does? No, your... I bet none of those are nine inches or anything like that. Oh yeah, some are. It's actually right behind oh, okay. me. There's this this thing, this this little one. Oh yeah. I picked okay. up a long time ago. I got another one that is the same size screen, but it's like in a. In the carry case, oh. and it's called Princess Walkabout. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Is that it's a, like, a name that's like printed on the thing, or it's printed on oh, the front? Princess okay. Walkabout. It's not pink or anything. It, it just looks like it's you know eighties. You know, wow. TV. Nice. That's the best name for a TV I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, it can be battery powered. Hmm. Does your partner have any comments about your CRT collecting? Um, I mean, mostly uh, supportive. So, like, she helps me get most of them. I get the total opposite. I'm like, I get, like, not another one. And why don't you get rid of some of those? (laughs) I mean, there's some pressure to, like, not keep all of them. Like, they need to go somewhere eventually. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, that would make sense. What are you going to do with 18... CRTs. Yeah, no. I just need really like the best one or two to to use, and maybe like yeah. one or two like to keep spare. Uh, lifetime mm-hmm. and I've always, yeah, lifetime supply because they're not making them anymore. They need to last me through my retirement years. <laughs> <laughs> now that's planning. And also, I always had the, um, you know, the thought that I want to, like, convert something to a vector monitor, a vector display to do, 
you know, vector arcade games on. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I need like... That sounds hard. Uh, I don't know. I've watched tutorial on YouTube. <laughs> Didn't seem that hard, but I don't okay. know exactly. But they would, the guy was just driving it from like a, uh, I don't know, a synthesizer like voltage source. So mm-hmm. I don't know how it like, you know, signals like from, you know, a computer or whatever. Mm. It's maybe not the same thing, but anyway. Yeah. We'll find out when we try to do it. Okay. Yeah, mm. interesting. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, Fiona knows about the CRT mountain <laughs> over there and, yeah. <laughs> you know, just about every weekend I'll, I'll show Fiona, hey, look, Matt's picked up another CRT. She has another one. <laughs> What's he doing with all of those? Um, yeah. Yeah, what are you going to do with all of those? So you're going to keep a couple, then what? Uh, I don't know. Do you, do you want one? Okay. I, I might have to buy some off you, actually, because um, uh, BKade, I'll need a couple. I've got the one behind me that I'm no mm. longer using, yeah. so I'll use that. Mm-hmm. And I've got the giant fuck-off CRT on the floor over there, Yeah. Um, so I can use that, but I might need another two. Yeah, happy to so, split. Well, I have just the most unfortunate things. I have ones that are really, really large and ones that are really small and nothing in between. Right. Yes. <laughs> so, as long as you want a really large one or a really small one, that's fine. I've mm. got some in-between okay. ones, but they're not the most... They're, they're, like, fairly modern ones, like flat-screen CRTs. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and they probably digitally upscale and stuff like that? Um, I don't think so, because I think they're sort of budget models that are fully analog. So, there's right. no... I don't believe there's any scaling. Um Mm. It's just a flat screen as a as a gimmick to sell them, I think. Okay. But I could be wrong. I haven't, yeah. like, looked into it. Yeah. Because the, the giant fuck-off CRT that I got, um, which I'm not sure I told the story, but it was literally three doors down from my house just sitting on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and lifting it was a whole other matter yep. entirely. <laughs> it, was, it was SCART, so it's SCART. Yep. RGB, which I was very excited about, but then mm. when I plugged in my Mega Drive, it just looks awful because it's digitally upscaled. Mm. Um, mm. So it's not doing the native res that you want it to do. Um, shit. And I've gone into the system menu or whatever you call it, you know, the hidden menus where you have to press five different buttons <laughs> and mm-hmm. adjust the volume to get into the secret menu. <laughs> um, and there's nothing in there to turn off that digital upscaling. So... Mm. It's only going to be good for, um, I think, 480p and above. Does that yeah. sound right, Matt? And above, 480p right. and above. Oh, you mean not like, uh, um, you know, plain, normal old console signal? Yeah. yeah. So it, it'd probably be good for a uh, what GameCube era? Yeah, like PS2, GameCube, Dreamcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But anything yeah. before that, it just looks awful. Yeah. So when you told me all that, like there's there is one that I picked up that I thought was going to be just like this TV you're describing, mm-hmm. but uh, now that I've had finally had a chance to like try it, it seems like it worked fine. I I do did use oh, really? the yeah. And I plugged the Nintendo Wii into it. I interested him with the uh, composite cable and it looked okay. Mm. I mean, it didn't it didn't seem to mess with the image too much. Mm. So it was a bit of a relief. Mm. Okay. 
but have you seen uh, queer RGB? No, so I'm holding right now with <laughs> VJ to Ooh. Scott, which I got specifically right. for that, that TV. Okay, because once mm. you've seen that queen image, mm. you can't go back. Everything <laughs> looks like arse off. That's that. funny because yeah. I, was, I was actually <laughs> thinking this the other day, like I almost regret learning about this stuff because now if I look at uh, composite, like, you know, just your yellow RCA in, it just looks absolutely rubbish to me and i see yeah, looks like i can garbage. see all the one of the ways that it was described in something i read was um like the rainbowing effect where mm. you get getting like around the edges of of sprites and stuff and characters or whatever it is there's like these random colors that kind of look like a rainbow and that's because mm-hmm. it's um it's just interference from all the information being on that one line and I never yep. really noticed it before or never really thought too much about it. But now I can't unsee that and it just mm-hmm. looks horrible to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know the ways of the the RGB until I picked up a um I think it was a nine inch a nine inch PVM. Mm-hmm. Um and I plugged in a mega drive into that and I was just absolutely blown away just how good it looked. Yeah. It was just, it, it blew my mind. I, I hadn't <laughs> seen an image like that before on an old console. Um, and ever since that day, I thought, okay, I need to get an actual reasonably sized PBM mm-hmm. so that, you know, um, I can play on it because you don't want to play a game on a nine-inch screen. Yep. Um, and, and just coincidentally and just very quickly while we're on the topic of CRTs, um I was. I've got this search set up for for eBay, and I check every I don't know twice or three times a day just to see if something pops up. And it's um and, and yeah, one day I checked and there was this twenty inch PVM on eBay, um and the description was um it was like from the household. It was it was this lady and this, mm. from the household we do um we've been in the video production business. We no longer require this um, this uh, this CRT TV. Uh, we don't use it anymore. Um, selling for five hundred dollars, you know, basically thinking it's it's rubbish. Just mm. get it out of here. Mm. Um, and and they didn't show a picture on it or anything like that. Mm. It was just turned off and you know two pictures mm. or whatever. And so I reached out, contacted them, and said, "Hey, does." You know, does the thing work? Mm. Um, and meanwhile, I was watching on the eBay app and seeing that um, the amount of people that was viewing <laughs> the page uh-huh. was just constantly going up and up and up and up and up. <laughs> and I just thought, I need to jump on this immediately because mm. if this is what they say, um, then, yeah, I just need to pick it up. And so I bought it and just I was thinking – this is probably a scam, like, you know, someone mm. saying, oh, you know, it's just this thing we've been using for video mm. production. We don't really know what it's worth. Just thinking, you know, it's probably, I'm going to turn up and it's not going to be working mm. or something like that. It's but too, I went to too their good house. to be true with a really cheesy story to boot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I went to their house and it was exactly as they said, this, mm. this not old lady, but this older lady, um, and she was a video producer she was married to a documentary producer at the abc 
Um, they've been using this 20-inch PVM for, I don't know, decade or so, producing all sorts of documentaries, apparently famous documentaries. He mentioned some of them, but I didn't recognize them because mm. I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, and she said, yeah, we just don't need it anymore, so you can take it. Mm. I said, well, thank you very much. Mm. And plugged in, and it works perfect. So very, wow. very happy. Nice. And yeah. like, how much do you think it could have gone for if it was, you know, if they knew what they um, had? Well, just recently there was another 20-inch PVM that went, um, it was in auction, so it wasn't buy it now, it was auction. Mm. And it went for three thousand two hundred. Oh, Jesus! Yeah, such a huge amount of money to spend on such an yeah. old piece of technology. It really is, but everyone knows what they are now. Mm. Um, and retro gaming is so popular that people know mm. the these uh, CRTs are the best way to play these games. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and, and I was talking to the lady when I went and picked up the the PVM. She said once they realized how popular that listing was because it was just going nuts, they actually tried to raise the price, huh. but eBay wouldn't let them. Mm. So um, before they That's could do anything about it, I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> they should have been able to take it down. Maybe they just didn't know yeah. how to do it. Yeah, you can they would have been able listing. to take it down and then relist it. Yeah. Yeah. But they mustn't have thought about that. Yeah, eBay. But she so wasn't dirty about it. With, though. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, I had it something up there, and it didn't sell. It took some time. It only had to buy it now, so you you don't need to relist. Uh, it just stays there. But then after a certain amount of time, eBay um, opens it up to offers, and it doesn't really tell you that it's going to do oh. it. It just does it. And then I started I didn't getting know these that. offers. I thought that was a Huh. Yeah, and I'm just like, um, I'm not taking offers, and I'm like, why are these people sending? I have to figure out how to turn off these offers. Like, I'm sure I wouldn't have turned on offers, and then I mm. looked it up and found out that just automatically it switches on after a certain amount of time. And eBay's like, your thing hasn't sold. Do you want to sell it for like sixty percent of the price that you put? No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, interesting. I didn't know that. I thought it was always the seller doing that because I, you know, have a pretty long list of items that I'm just constantly watching and I'm constantly receiving offers like, you know, 10% off and yeah. 15% off. And I thought that was actually the seller doing that, but maybe it's just eBay doing it. Uh, no, I mean like, you know how you can make an offer on an item? Some items are open yeah, to yeah. offers. Oh, yeah. So Right. Yeah, anyway... Um, yeah, that was, long story short, eBay's a pain. <laughs> mm. yeah. I still use it all the time. It's a great place for arcade parts. Fine. Mm. It's a great place for Commodore 64 games. Mm. Yeah, you can still find cheap Commodore 64 games there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, anyway, that was our random CRT uh Left turn, <laughs> so does very relevant um, information. Mm. Mm. It's the, the whole scene of retro gaming, like home console retro stuff, seems to really be going a bit nutty at the moment. Like the prices yeah. are just the prices are getting higher, but I also think people aren't willing to 
at the same time spend the money. I don't know. It's weird. It's I, mm. I, one thing I thought was maybe it's because there's so many new customers in the market that don't know previous prices. They're just willing to pay whatever whatever the listing is at. Yep. Just it's just getting silly. Yeah, and it's you know people. Um getting of a certain age they're established in their careers mm. they have expendable incomes right. and they want to relive their childhood and mm. buy a bunch of retro stuff yeah so i think it's just sort of like a generational thing where people are growing up and then yeah they've got this money and they start throwing money at stuff yeah sort of like a natural process in a way i guess mm. yeah Yes. Okay. Um, should I talk or did you want to talk next, John? Um, uh, it does sort of lean tidily into what I wanted to talk about. Well, you go then. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when we talk about market, the market and stuff, one of the things that that I've been frustrated at is that I'm – learning to do some repairs and and mods and stuff and so i'm looking keeping my eye out for consoles that are not working and mm-hmm. particularly at the moment i'm looking at the super nintendo and the prices for non-working super nintendos there was one i was looking at yesterday 69 dollars for a non-working really? super nintendo and that doesn't and plus shipping <laughs> bloody like, hell what <laughs> <laughs> um there was wow. one guy that would sell it sell it for twenty dollars. I found that's the cheapest, but that's without a power supply and without a controller. And so once you add those, it's like fifty bucks because the power supply is about, hmm. you know, um twenty five or twenty and then the controller's like thirty unless you buy it was like, Oh, you can get really cheap ones on um Alibaba for like five bucks. I'm like Okay, but they're shit. <laughs> yeah, and, they're and I guess he, from his perspective, he's just like a reseller, so he doesn't really care. You know, the customer gets what they get, and it works. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I've always had a thing about third-party controllers, and I've always avoided them because they're usually horrible. But these mm-hmm. cheap Chinese ones are are like at a next level, like they're made the cheapest possible way. And that's fair enough. I guess there's a market for it. Um, but I like a really nice feeling controller and I think it's an important part of the experience. So I would never mm. buy one um, unless it was just like, you know, I've got some GameCube ones for those rare times when you actually have four people to play a game together uh, where, you know, yeah. play a three and four have no idea what they're doing anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like the controller I'm using, I want it to be a nice controller. Like those Mega Drive ones we bought way back. Um, actually, the first time we were going to B-Pack was when I got mine, and I think Matt got his. Ben gave them to us when we were waiting at the airport. Uh, and that was... Uh, cool. that's that, right. Those are really nice controllers. Anyway, uh, yeah, so once you add in, like, the price of the, the controller and power supply, that's, like, $50. Then you're up to 70 and mm. you haven't even done a repair yet, and you might not even be able to fix it. So 
it's like this massive yeah. gamble where if you can fix it, you might be able to sell it for a hundred dollars as a package, uh, mm-hmm. and that's assuming that you, there's no parts involved without even factoring in the time involved. Which you know, it's for me, it's not about making money, but I definitely don't want to lose money. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, you want to get them for they don't work, so you, they should be not worth really anything. Um, yeah, ba- barely I'm surprised anything. even 20 bucks for a non-working SNES. I mean, but I what's, think like, what's the point? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the point is is people like me who, you know, yeah, enjoy the, the doing it and, and it, the demand is there. You know, there's people, mm-hmm. a lot of people just like me who are looking for them to try and fix them. I mean, the reality is that a lot of them, it's a case of just cleaning the cartridge slot. Um, and and uh, that's pretty much it. Um, well, hmm. having said that, I mean, my personal experience hasn't been that, but I do know that that's what happens with these things, so I do believe that that's the case. So I think a lot of All people right. will buy lots expecting to be able to just, com- just clean the cart slot and then resell it. Um, and so I think mm-hmm. there's demand there. Because of that, um, but yeah, it's it's hard. It's like hard to get broken consoles. <laughs> Isn't that weird? I mean, we've gotten to a certain point now where retro gaming is so popular, even the stuff that doesn't work is is not hard, not easy to get, yeah. and expensive. Yeah, for what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but are these? So I managed to pick up three. This is kind of the beginning of my adventure into this Super Nintendo area. Uh, I got three that had power supplies and controllers for $100, um, which I think is a pretty good deal. And Hmm. so far, I've managed to get one of them working, um, and I'm working on the second one now. And this one's giving me a lot more trouble. It's a bit of a mystery. So the first one it would turn on and it would have like some garbled graphics. Um, and yeah, I've learned a lot about the the hardware and all the different components, the, the ICs that are on it. It's got a CPU, it's got two, um, they call them PPUs, which is like a picture, proce- uh, picture processing unit. Um, mm-hmm. And each of those PPUs do different things. So, so uh, just off the top of my head, and some of this might be wrong, and if anyone actually knows, you know, wants to correct me, they're more than welcome to do that. But um, PPU one, I believe, is mostly involved in like the scaling and effects that the Super Nintendo can do. So, like rotations and flips, and um, yeah, scaling. Um, and PPU2 actually generates the video signal and does, like, backgrounds and stuff like that. Um, so, so you can identify from the behavior which one might be going wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. and then there's some RAM chips and there's a sound, obviously a sound section, um, got onboard capacitors and that sort of thing um so once you like start to learn about all this stuff it becomes like really demystified in a way and i feel like i feel like it's actually a really great 
console to learn this sort of stuff on because I think Hmm. it's probably fairly simple. Not that I've done a lot of anything else, but um, it seems like pretty straightforward and not too complicated. Um, Hmm. So, so yeah, this second one that I'm working on, um, I've, it was a black screen or some people call it a black screen of death. It's basically, I I think I prefer to think of it as a mystery black screen because there's lots of reasons why you would have just a black screen when you turn it on. And Mm -hmm. most of the time that just means that the cart hasn't really connected with the cart slot very well and just clean the cart slot and the cart. Most of the time it's the actual cart. Um, So um, obviously that's the first place you you start. and then from what I've learned after that, the CPU is mostly to blame for black screen issues. But I think it's never really that simple. You need to check like all the the connections like from the cart slot. You can check whether the it's actually powering up. You know, you've got like an LED that tells you whether or not it's getting power. Um hmm. I actually figured out that so there's a power regulator where you're going in with like 10 volts. The the Super Nintendo is weird. It takes AC in and then it turns it into DC. So there's a regulator that spits out 5 volts. Um, And I measured that 5 volts at the cart slot on this one and it was a bit low. So I swapped it over with one that I knew was working and then it started to boot. (laughs) And I was like, yay. Oh. I did a thing that worked. Um, <laughs> That's always handy. Yeah. So I also repaired two traces that were on the cart slot uh, that weren't connected to where they should be. So like started looking at schematics too to like learn where where things should go. And that's something that mm-hmm. it's so weird. I guess part of what I kind of wanted to say in talking about this too is it's these sorts of things, like you either know them or they don't, or you don't. They're not hard. It's just like learned information. So I yeah. think the schematic is such a great example of that because um, it's when you look at a schematic, it's like, what the fuck does all that mean? You know? Um, mm-hmm. But once you understand like the different symbols and what they mean and how to identify what's actually physically on the board, on the schematic, you can start to yep. go, okay, here's the, the like this physical location is here on the schematic and I can see it's meant to go, signal's meant to go from there to this thing over here and then you can check continuity between those points and just work through it systematically to check that, you know, if you have any broken traces or try and figure out where the problems might be. Hmm. I think the next step is learning how a logic probe works. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if that, if I can use that to check whether the CPU has problems. I don't know if Matt knows anything about that sort of stuff. I think usually you're using the logic probe to see where there's like stock lines. Yeah. So one that you're expecting to be flapping around if it's like, if it's like, and you know, it's, it's stuck low or stuck high, and you know, you know, this should be doing something. Then 
you, you kind of look from there. That's the sort of thing. Okay. Or, yeah, you or can tell got... whether it's sending or receiving data, yeah. or it's just like you said, stuck high or stuck low. So okay. it's just. Yeah. In particular, on the Nintendos, they have the security chips, so you can check what, whether the reset line is... is. So I guess you can do this with a multimeter anyway. Mm. You check, like, with resets pulled high or whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually like that. um, another reason why you can get a black screen, too, that was mentioned. If there's, for some reason, something wrong with that security chip, the, the console essentially just sits in a reset mode, like as if you're holding yeah. down the reset button. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and you can sort of tell as well if you if you and I'm talking about arcade PCBs. I don't know if the SNES is the same, yeah. but you can tell if everything's stuck high or low. If you're not getting any sort of clock signal, then it's the clock. You know, it's the crystal. Mm. So you can um, so you can you can tell if that's the problem and mm. and uh, replace that part and then go from there. Mm. Does that sound right, Matt, or did I just make something Yeah, up? no, it's, it's a place to start because that, that clock should just be running even if everything's broken. Okay. Yeah. I was able... To, I've been able to measure the crystal because the multimeter that I have has like a, um, a, a hertz measure huh. thing, although I've... All right. My understanding is they're not super accurate, but I was able to measure it and it did... was spitting out a number that makes sense, which I think was like 21 point something um, hmm. is what it should be. From memory, yeah, um, yeah. So, but where I'm at now with it is, it is booting, and I'm able to run the Super Nintendo Burn-in software. So this is another thing that's really cool about Super Nintendos, which I think makes them a good place to 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 learn stuff about this sort of thing. Is there's actually diagnostic software, and you can you can go and buy a cart on like um Alibaba or something um which is a burn-in cart like a repro burn-in cart um or you can if you have a flash cart you can just download the rom and put it on a flash cart which is what i've done and run mm-hmm. the software and it has a, a little test where it actually does diagnostics on the different um chips of the board um which is really cool to help you narrow down the issue so this particular yep. one is getting it's actually freezing up on a test called ext latch um which i don't really understand what that means but from what i've been able to find online seems to be something to do with i think they said there's something like a horizontal latch which i think has to do with the way it generates the video signal um and so it kind of implicates that PPU2, which is the chip that generates the video signal. Um, I swapped over the PPU2, and then it's still giving the same behavior. So I think mm. PPU2 is fine, and there's something else that's causing that to happen. Uh, but I don't really know um, exactly what that means. It's I think it's likely that it's CPU-related because that ext latch on the schematic it goes from ppu to in it goes in through the controller board like where you plug your controllers in there's a, a little expansion board um which takes the controller input it goes in through that then out back to the cpu it's kind of weird but hmm. that's what it does um and so i'm thinking it's cpu 
So the next step, I think, for me is actually to switch the CPU over to see if there's any different behavior. Um, right. Yeah. So, that's, so there's not much in terms of um, information on the internet then for with, that, with sort of test results. There, There is not, I wouldn't say, well, I think it's fair to say there's actually a lot of information about the Super Nintendo um, in general because it's obviously a really com- really um, popular console. And yeah. there's there's arcade version of the hardware too, which is very similar. Um, and I found some... There's one particular blog where a guy goes through a lot of different boards that he's repaired. He's blogged all these different boards that he's repaired and he's collated all the information to give people something to look at when they're trying to diagnose things. But I think this particular issue... There's not a lot of information to kind of right. answer your question. The EXT latch mm-hmm. itself, I haven't been able to find a lot of information. So there was one forum post that kind of implied the involvement that I was explaining, like where it's to do with the generation of the signal, um, something to do with like horizontal latching. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't understand it, but... It indicated the PPU too. And then I also actually asked on a Facebook group for retro repairs and someone else there said that they would would have looked at PPU too as well as I've done. So, and I've asked follow-up questions, but I have to wait and see what they say, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe the information's out there, like buried in forums. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, where it all started for me was on YouTube as well, just watching videos of people doing repairs. And there was one guy in particular who's called um, Punk and Disorderly Gamer, I think. And he does he does a bunch of repairs, um, heaps of Super Nintendo, but some other stuff as well. And it a lot of it involves using a heat gun to swap these like CPUs or PPUs over um, once you kind mm. of identify which area the fault is in. And uh, yeah, it's a bit of fun. It's I've got myself a heat gun, so that's another. So using a heat gun because it's service mount? Um, not because it's service mount, but because it's an IC with a lot of legs. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, obviously, okay. yeah, the service mount part is involved, but I use my, my iron to to take off, like, um, surface electrolytic capacitors. I don't use the heat gun mm-hmm. for that. But, yeah, for the mm-hmm. ICs, you have to. You basically just go around in a circle around the legs for a while yep. and just applying very, very light pressure until you feel that it starts to move. You have to be mm-hmm. really careful because if you bend the legs, it can be really hard to bend them back into the right position. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine working on surface mount stuff. Bit of a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. I, it's definitely challenging. I've been really enjoying it though. Um, I mean, when you have a win, it's a, a really good feeling. Like when I got that console to power up, it was like, yay! I did a thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I said it before. I did a thing that worked. Um, yeah. And the other one, the first yeah, one that cool. I prepared, I was, it was really, it's really exciting to be able to do that. I think I just have a lot of mm. 
personal value in the idea of reusing as well, you know, to make it reusable, yeah. even if I'm not making any money out of it. And it's the same with the PS1s, like doing the X station for me, it's throwing out the most vulnerable part of the system in terms of hardware, which is the disc reader and replacing mm -hmm. it with a much more robust piece of hardware being the SD card. Yep. So, um, yeah, that's what I've been doing and it's, I've been really enjoying it and I wish I had more time to spend on it, but, uh, yeah, what can you do? You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Um, I think it would be rewarding sort of restoring these things back to life rather than seeing them get thrown in the garbage, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to go take a whiz and get another beer. Ghosts. Yes, I know that game. Um, or is it Ghosts and Goblins? Which one's the first one? Ghosts and Goblins. I always get confused. Can never remember. Ghosts and Goblins. So I've got this Ghosts and Goblins board, and I was just saying oh, yeah. to Matt, like that's kind of like the next step when I'm feeling a bit more confident. It it when I turn it on, it goes into. The, the ROM check screen and there's three ROMs and one and two of them say okay and one says check so it's not booting after that mm. which is presumably because mm -hmm. one of the ROMs is not okay and I was physically looking at the board to try and figure out which ROM is like which one it is but there's a lot more than three ROMs on the board um, mm. anyway I guess what I was what I was gonna ask was like is that board a like Capcom System One or something like? Does that have a um? Is it a type of board? Do you know, or is it? A uh, I board? don't think so. So CPS One is you know your Street Fighters and your Ghouls and Ghosts and stuff. Right, I know what they um, look like. It's definitely not that. <laughs> yeah, think... Ghosts and Goblins is pre CPS. Yeah, I think so. From looking at this stuff through Mister, like they. Anecdotally, call it CPS zero, ah. but they're not all the same. Yeah, the, no. there's like similarities between the pre CPS ones, but they're a bit different. Okay, like mm. you couldn't you couldn't take ROMs from one game and put in right another board. I was just wondering if it was a standard because I was trying to figure out, yeah, which ROM it was, and I, I think, couldn't find I much info online. Should be able to tell which. ROM it is. Doesn't the test say like ROM 1, ROM 2, ROM 3 or something like that? Uh, from memory, I think it does. Um, but it was a long time ago when I did this and I don't remember. But I do remember like looking at the board going, I have no idea. This doesn't make sense. I couldn't find one that was labeled with ROM 1 hmm. or 2 or 3. Hmm. Anyway, okay. I have to look at it, at it again. Um, yeah. 
it could be. I mean, it'd be awesome if it was just a case of like reburning the ROM. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, but the the board was unfortunately outside, and the cab was like water damaged, and it was water damaged on the side where the board was mounted. The board looks mm. pretty good, um, but you know it's hard to know sometimes with these things. Yeah, and it could be completely unrelated to that anyway. Could just be a, you know, a failure of some sort, yep. unrelated to water damage. Right. Because these things are pretty old. Yep. I've got to set up my super gun as well to be able to do that sort yeah. of thing. <laughs> Shall I go on to my, call it? Yeah. Okay, I'll have a drink of beer first. Um, so, conveniently, you talked about ghosts and goblins slash ghouls and ghosts. <laughs> it all worked out. <laughs> I know, and who would have thought I'd talk about that? Uh, but I'm going to be very quick because I'm just going to mention that my two-year journey of speedrunning Ghouls and Ghosts, um, my initial target, my goal, my objective was to beat the time of, I think it was 16.02 from memory, I, I can't quite recall, but 16 minutes and two seconds, which was set by, I'm going to have to look because I don't want to get his name wrong. <laughs> Um, so forgive me for two seconds. Um, Costin, that's right. A guy called Costin. He has a time of 16 minutes and three seconds on arcade hardware. And uh, beating that time was always my goal because when I beat the world record high score, um, as people would know, I then started thinking about what I could do next. And that was, well, what I decided to do was try and beat the the arcade best time in speedrunning. And that's held by Costin at 16 minutes and three seconds. And after two years, after my two-year journey, I finally did it. Um, probably must have been three, four months ago now. Um, I finally beat that time with a time of 15 minutes, 48 seconds. So I was exceptionally happy. It took a long time, but I I finally did it. So yeah, yay! It was um, yay! Congratulations! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and you know, I mean, I'm not the sort of gamer or speedrunner or high score chaser that plays every day. And you know, you have your Matt Techios and your Alan Stells who will play a lot. Um, I just play on the weekends. I generally only get to play a couple of hours on the weekends. So it took a lot longer than what it probably should. But even so, the the time invested was large and the challenge was very difficult. So just very happy to finally get there um, and not only beat that time of 16 minutes and three seconds, but get a sub 16 minute time as well. So um, according to... The speedrun.com records I'm fifth place in the world at the moment with my 15 minutes 48. Um, I never intended or desired going for the world record. I just wanted to beat the best arcade time because the other times that the other four players ahead of me have, 
I've, have all done it on emulator. Mm-hmm. Um, my goal was to just get the best true arcade time. Um, and so I've done that and I'm happy. And that's it. That's the end of my story. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm not stopping there. I'm I'm still continuing to play the game, of course. Uh, I'm one second off fourth place, so I may as well try and beat that additional one second, right? I mean, how hard can it be? Um, <laughs> and then and also, you'll be one place off like a podium spot. So what's, yep. what's the third place time? Uh, I think that's a little bit further down, actually. Let me have a look. Um 15 minutes, 23. So that's another 25 seconds or so. That's pretty tough. Doesn't sound like much, but that is a big amount of time. It's hard. At that level of speed running. Yep. It's it's very, very tough. I mean, me getting that sub-16 time is one of the hardest things I've done in games. And I've done a number of difficult things in games and... That's up there. So getting down to about 15 minutes, 20 seconds, I'm not sure I want to invest that amount of time. <laughs> but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm just curious. We'll see. What's, what's the sum of your best sections? Do you know? Oh, for Arcade. That's a... I think from memory, I think it's around 14 minutes and 50 eight seconds or something like that. Okay. But um, I think, as I think I've explained previously in podcasts, um, that doesn't relate to actual real-time speed running because mm-hmm. Girls and Ghosts has a lot of RNG mm-hmm. and also it has a built-in um, dynamic difficulty. Uh... So the, the better you're doing, the harder the game gets. Yeah. And so when you're looking at just some of bests, your some of best splits, mm. most of those splits will when will be done when the difficulty is low. Mm. Right. Whereas if you're going for an actual run that would count towards a world record score, you're going to be playing against the hardest difficulty the entire way through. Right. So those uh yeah, that that best split stuff yep. doesn't count towards actual gameplay. Okay. I feel like we should explain a bit more about that for people who maybe haven't really watched a lot of, or been involved in a lot of speedrunning. <clears throat> the sum of bests idea being that when you have a timer for speedrunning, you often set up splits which tend to be, you know, depending on the game, it can be like stage one, stage two, stage three. And it's a great way yep. of getting an idea of how well you're doing Um in comparison to your sort of par or average time yep. and working your times down. Uh, and then the the live split counter will give you the sum of best. So it remembers all your best times for each area and then adds them yep. together and tells you, like, if you had your best game with all your best times, it would be this, which is usually way, way lower than your actual PB. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, and, but so what you're saying with ghouls and ghosts is that the dynamic difficulty really throws a spanner in the works when it comes to gauging your, your performance off that 
compared to some of the sum of your best splits because you're getting good splits but in bad runs where the difficulty is dropped. Yeah. Uh, yep. And so it's actually not a very useful way to measure for that particular game. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's that's well articulated. Um, in a lot of games, you can use your summer vest as a benchmark to see what your best run could be because there isn't that um, large amount of randomness. There isn't that sort of dynamic difficulty. Mm. But in Ghouls and Ghosts, like you said, it's you can't rely on that at all because you'll never get that... Um, you you'll never get that run in reality. Yeah. Like for instance, when your when your rank is is dynamically boosted because you haven't died for however long, um, more enemies spawn. Mm. They spawn faster. They shoot faster, and also they um, stay alive longer. Mm. So the, the the game is much more difficult. Mm. So you could never ever rely on that summer vest for ghouls and ghosts. And uh, it's speaking of that, I remember when I was doing the commentary for your run on the Mega Drive at 1989. Um, one of the thoughts I had, which is kind of just a theory and speculation at this stage, was that you kind of want to be working at that high difficulty level, right? Because you're relying on the consistency that that brings along with it. Um, yep, and also right. you need to be always like right at the front of your, uh, how do I describe it? Like you got to be right on the ball because the more, like the faster you are, the more on top of it you are, the less the game has a chance to throw random shit at you. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. You're a cluey guy, John. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I watched, a, I watched no, that's... you play through the game a few times that, that night. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, I, I've heard other people talk about this, much much more smarter people than I. Um, and, and, you know, I never realised that until they said that, that, you know, the only way to get more predictability in the game is to constantly go as fast as you possibly can right. and keep it at a, um, at a high difficulty level because that way it's always going to be similar. I mean, yeah. Ghouls and Ghosts, there's always going to be that element of RNG that throws in there and there's nothing you can do about it. It's just a random element. Yeah. Um, but the the more you can stay consistent, the more predictable it will be. Yeah. 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 It's a so, yeah. challenging game, that one. <laughs> yeah, slightly. Um, and I just want to also mention that there's a... There's a speedrunner now on Mega Drive for Ghouls and Ghosts. His name is, um, I might not pronounce this right, but his nick is Lucha Jim. And, you know, Luchas, they're the, mm. or Lucha, mm. that's the Mexican wrestlers, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Like, I think so. Like, like Lucha Libre. Yeah. I, I could have offended, offended a lot of people just there because I don't <laughs> actually know what I'm talking about, but... <laughs> I thought it was, but... Um, I think it's short yeah, for Luchador, Luchador, isn't it? Short for Luchador. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's L-U-C-H-A underscore G-Y-M, Lucha Jim. He, I, I don't know how old he actually is, but he sounds young-ish. 
or at least younger than me, who's old. Um, <laughs> and he's been running the Mega Drive version of Ghouls and Ghosts, and he's just recently, in the last week, I think it was, got a time of 15 minutes, 30 seconds. So wow. he's he's blitzed even my arcade time, mm. and now I'm starting to feel the pressure as a fellow <laughs> Australian <laughs> to hold my uh, title of the fastest Australian time. Oh. Um, because he's, <laughs> yeah, he's a guy up in Brisbane, and uh, he's thrown it down. So Wow. But, yeah, I have to just mention him because he's an awesome guy. I've been watching his runs, and he's doing really well. But I, I'm getting the – I'm feeling the pressure now. I feel like I need to step up. I wonder if uh, – is, is, has things kind of flipped for you where you've hopped into someone's chat who's, like, relatively new, and they're like, ooh, Mark's in my chat. <laughs> <laughs> no, he had no idea who oh, Okay. <laughs> so did you have to be like, oh, I'm the fastest? You know, I'm the fastest in Australia. I know there was you'd a like bit of to a, be me. <laughs> there was a bit of a conversation like that. He was, um, what was he saying? Oh, I can't remember. I might have been egging him on or something like that while he was trying to PB. Mm. And he said something like, oh, you know, well, I challenge you to get a sub, oh. a sub 16 time or something <laughs> like that. And I said, well, you know, I've got a 15 minutes 48 on arcade. You had a, well, actually, went, oh, moment. Oh. Did you push your glasses up while you said it? Like, well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I put him in his place there for a little bit. Um, but then he did his 15 minutes and 30 seconds. And now, yeah, it's all out the window. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But yeah, I'm still really enjoying playing that game. Um, I don't know when it's going to stop. Someone help me. Someone <laughs> give, give me an intervention or something. I don't know. <laughs> reminds me of when we were at BPAC and Alan Stoll stood up in front of everyone and said, Donkey Kong is a disease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he was being given an award for something or other. I think it might have been a car, his card, maybe. I don't know. The collectible card. Oh, you know. That's an awesome segue into something I wanted to mention. Cool. Um, Play It Up podcast. Ah. They're, I was going to say a new podcast, but they've been around for a little bit now. Um, but they've been doing an amazing series on Donkey Kong, mm -hmm. Donkey Kong players, mostly specific to or, or because of BPAC that was coming up and now has gone. Um, so they're doing a whole series of Kong off or people who are coming up to play in the Kong off. And people who have basically made Donkey Kong their lives. Um, yeah. And it's a really, really awesome window into high competitive play where you get that sort of that sort of teetering on the edge of it's not highly fun skilled. <laughs> yeah, highly skilled, high competitiveness where it's not, like you said, fun anymore. It's kind of work. Mm. Um but you can't stop doing it. Mm. And because the work is so hard and because the risk is so high, it's awful. But when you finally achieve something, the reward is immeasurable. It's, it's amazing. Right. Um, and, if, you know, talking about Matt Tecchio and getting in the top 10 in the world, yep. uh, Donkey Kong score. So 
It's been really interesting, but I also wanted to mention that just because the Played Up podcast is awesome. I've, I've been really enjoying listening to that podcast now with Sean, mm-hmm. um, Neil, Mike, and uh, now Denny. Mm-hmm. Denny's joined them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone listening to this hasn't heard of Played Up podcast, check it out because it's a bunch of Brisbane guys. Mm-hmm. Well, Sean's in Germany now, so, you know, that sort of doesn't count, but anyway um but yeah it's an awesome podcast check it out it's absolutely fantastic some awesome guys and they talk about retro games what more can you want yeah and there's a there's a fair bit of variety there too because they have a um a a range of eras that they're interested in and Mm. yeah but also very community oriented um yeah which i think is really cool yep and like i said neil's been doing well, Neil and Denny, I think, have been doing these sort of interviews with a bunch of people um, just talking about their sort of um, journey and adventure in retro gaming, um, and it's been really, really interesting. So, yeah, very, very recommended. Check it out. And they're all friends of ours, of course. So, um, yeah, great guys. Yeah, very nice. All right. Yeah. Are we done? We did Is that it. it? We, we did, did it. it. It's only been nine months. Time to birth the baby. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds disgusting and beautiful all at the same time. Uh-huh. It is. Oh, do we, really do is. we read the feedback? Oh. Oh, we haven't read the feedback. Sorry. <laughs> we need to do that. I'm glad Matt's here keeping us on the ball. Yeah. Um, Our waters are broken. Let me just have a sip of beer. (laughs) So, feedback. In nine months, we've received one piece of feedback, (laughs) which is excellent. At this rate, we'll uh, be popular in about 75 years. (laughs) Um, Harry Hines. I don't know who Harry Hines is. Sounds like a made-up name. Apparently, you reckon? (laughs) <laughs> hmm. I think these guys when I say these guys I mean John and Matt I think John and Matt know something that I don't I don't I definitely don't know anything Matt seems to know something right okay he's got a very wry smile on his face <laughs> yeah um Harry Hines apparently is his name he says I have questions which is good we like answering questions why are there no arcade-themed hipster barbers? <laughs> that seems arcade to have stumped everyone. Hipster. Are there? Can a person be themed in arcades? Or are we talking about, oh, the actual, like, a place? A barber shop? You know what? It's funny. That's a funny question because in my local shopping centre, there's a barber and they have this little mini arcade machine with a Pandora's box in it. And every time I walk oh. past and I'm like, I could play that, but it's it's very clearly like child size and I would look like Donkey Kong <laughs> sitting at a little tiny arcade, um, which would be really embarrassing. But uh, mm. there you go. I wonder if this is, the question really is like, are you playing while you're getting a haircut? Oh. I thought it might have been something to do with our beards because we're all bearded men. Oh. Oh. 
Can you mm-hmm. imagine, though, playing a game while, you know, getting a haircut? It'd be like, ah, oh, shit, yeah, like right there, <laughs> the back of your head. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Hmm. But is that is that it? Is that the question? No, there's more questions. Oh, okay. Um, I think that's a good question. Why are there no arcade-themed hipster barbers? There, there's uh, all these um, man cave barber shops now. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. No, man cave. Like, they're all, like, around here anyway, eastern suburbs. Yeah. There, there's all these barbers that have popped up, and they're all, you know, rustic and... Yeah. It, uh, y- yeah. Yeah. Hmm. There's a few of those in Newtown. I'm not sure they're man cave themed. They're kind of... Uh, what maybe that's the wrong, the wrong phrase, but like, I don't know. You know, the, the slick back hair, the sort of 50s slash 60s style it's like, barber. You know, horse hair and ivory handled combs and stuff like that sort of thing. Yeah, and the, um, the old-fashioned razor where you could chop off someone's head accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second question. What is the best pinball machine arcade machine crossover? Pac-Man pinball, Gallagher pinball. What do we think? Is there a Gallagher one? I didn't even know. I that. don't think so. I think he might have meant um, Space Invaders. Ah, oh, Space Invaders. That game is yeah very boring. Uh, just put yeah, it looks awesome. It looks cool, and it's but fun it's very for boring. about thirty seconds, and then it's <laughs> is that it? Okay. And it's huge, and it's got about seventy flippers. <laughs> I feel like there's more, isn't there? Isn't there a Cubit uh, one or something? Or am I just... Yeah, there's a Cubit one. Yeah. Oh. Is that... That's pretty cool. I really like that game. Oh, yeah. We've played that. But it's just a yeah. pinball machine, isn't it? It's not an actual video game involved. No. But I'm assuming this is crossover in terms of there's a pinball and there's a video game. Ah. Right. Unless... Yeah, it'd have to be because in Space Invaders, pinball was no... Arcade aspect. Right. Yeah. Yep. There's um, Spy Hunter. That's a cool pinball machine. I don't think I've played that one. I, I hmm. do. I like. I can picture it in my mind's eye, but that's a hard question that I'd have to do research to answer. What was that game we played, Matt, um, in the barn? Remember? And it was awesome. <laughs> That's a pretty open question, I know. Yeah. But it was video game themed. I'd never seen it before. Oh. And it had the sound effects of the game. Yeah, it was, was it what? I mean, all the Williams ones. Yeah, it was one of the Williams ones. It wasn't, um, was it Defender? Yeah, no, maybe. It wasn't Def- no. Was it Defender? It was one of those. Yeah. You had like a, a nuke. You press it and everything died or something. Well, that exists in Defender, so at the video game. Hmm. It's looking up on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this, this looks familiar. Yeah. Okay, that was really cool. Um, you could cheat and say Tron. But Tron, the pinball machine, isn't based on the video games. Mm. Yeah. It's based on the movie, mm. the second movie. Tron is a great pinball machine. It'd be Tron awesome is one of the best to have pinball machines. I would definitely never, ever swap a Tron for a big juicy melons. 
<laughs> I would hold on well, to the Tron. Right. <laughs> well, you know, people have opinions. <laughs> Question three. How many volcanoes would there be in a Scientology pinball machine? These are all really hard yeah. questions. Is, <laughs> is, 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 I know. Is volcanoes a thing in Scientology? Yeah, I don't I know saying. anything about Scientology. Yeah, it is, yeah. It is? Yeah. In how? How, how <laughs> I mean, are volcanoes Scientology? I mean, if I, you know, if I continue talking, we may get sued. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's something like the, um, the reason why the... Or there's all these lost souls here is because the, the galactic overlord Xenu brought all these people here and stuck him in the, like prisoners, stuck him in a volcano to kill them all. Something wow. like that. The oh. Volcano explodes, they all die, and all the all their spirits, you know, oh. got released. Yeah, right. Something I like had that. no idea. Wow. I didn't know there was such a backstory to Scientology. I thought they were you're just not, crazy people. Yeah, you're not supposed to know that. <laughs> It's secret. <laughs> okay. It all makes sense now. Yeah. That explains why I don't know it. I, I hmm. watched the Louis Thoreau thing about it. I thought I knew everything I had to know. <laughs> That's why there's a oh. volcano in the cover of the book. But they don't tell is you that. Oh. Yeah, there's the, the main book for Scientology is called Dianetics. Right. Like, yeah, okay. the original one. Right. Who knew? Mm. You knew. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I don't think we solved that question, but okay. there's going to be at least one, I guess. Hold on a um, minute. If, this reminds me of when we were... Uh, wait, is this... It's got to be Tom. Is it Tom? Sounds like Tom questions. Hmm. M- Matt's smiling. And or Tara, or both of them. It could be Tara. And or maybe Ben, but I don't think Ben would take the time to do this. Yeah. (laughs) Matt's smiling still. Matt's not letting on. Yeah, he's just smiling. Last question. Bring home the Battle of the Arcades Championship. Well, we failed at that. Yeah. (laughs) At least that's a question we can answer that we didn't. Uh, But I think Harry Hines followed up with one more, another email. Oh. Oh. When's 89 going to get Brick Game? Brick Game. Brick Game. A like, Brick like, Game. Oh, brick. Tetris? they got Tetris yeah. now. He's got Tetris. Yeah, what they do have Tetris game? now. Oh, so we can answer now. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Except they're closed. Yeah, like... Because <laughs> it, locked down. It happened like a couple of weeks ago. Hmm. Yeah. There you go. And this must be Ben Benassi. If he's talking about Brick Game. Do we think? I feel like. Well, maybe we're just defending Harry Hines. Maybe it's just a guy called Harry Hines. <laughs> I don't yes, know, but go. Harry, I like you. <laughs> Thanks for sending in an email. The conversational points. Yeah. I mean, it's only been nine months, and you're the only person who's reached out to us. So, really, um, you're our best fan. You're our favorite fan, our favorite reader. The most best fan. Yes. Only fan? No, I shouldn't have went there. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Well, there we go. We're done, I think. Are we done? Yep. 
I think so. Excellent. We well, did it. that's uh, yes, we did. We're in the birthing suite. We got there suite. in the end. The we um, we do here. plan. What? The midwife is here. Are we planning on getting an epidural for this one? Uh, <laughs> um, what's it called when you cut the stomach open? Uh, cesarean. Cesarean section. Cesarean. Also known. Let's do one of as those. The um, the the sun sun window, sun window. What's the window on top sun of a window. car? <laughs> um. I should know because I've got one. Sunroof? <laughs> sunroof. That's sunroof. It. So known as the sunroof. The sunroof? That what? would have been Why? funnier if I remembered. It's like coming <laughs> out the top. The baby's coming out the top instead of the, you know, okay. the boot or whatever. The other place. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. This podcast has been <laughs> interesting and educational. <laughs> Maybe not interesting, just educational. <laughs> ah, so thanks for listening to Game the System podcast. If you would like to contact us, do do uh, reach out via feedback at gamethesystem.co. Apparently, I don't check it, um, but you know, I'll, I'll check it more often now. Now that I know that that's an email address, even though I've been saying it for a long time. Um, you can also contact us via where can they contact us? Uh, Instagram, pro- Twitter. They can go to our Discord. If you go to gamethesystem.co slash Discord, that will link you straight off to our Discord channel where there's heaps of people, um, knowledgeable people, fun people who will talk to you all about arcades, pinball, um, and even some retro games. You probably don't want them to talk to you about. Yeah, that <laughs> happens too uh, every now and again. Um, but yeah, come and chat to us and. Uh, we enjoy that. Yeah. Right? Yep. We yep. do. <laughs> I spend a lot Excellent. more of my life on, on this channel than I probably should. Yeah. Uh, I can, yeah, I agree with you there. <laughs> but it's fun times. All right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us. We do plan to record more of these more often now. And I'm just saying that. And John and Matt had no idea that that was going to be a thing that. I reckon we try and do one every couple of weeks. What do you reckon? Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Seeing as we're at home and we can do this remotely now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's a claim I've made in the past and failed miserably, so we'll see what happens. (laughs) Thank you very much and goodbye. Bye. Bye.